0: All right, you ready to get around the word? Well, the five of you are. Okay, that's away from the back. There we go. I started, um, I started this series called Base Camp last week, <clears throat> explaining that I had had an agitation in my spirit for quite some time. It caused me to wonder whether God was actually doing some stirring, some provoking, and some preparing of lives for a greater level of activation. And uh, that totally lined up with what God had sowed into my heart right at the beginning of this year and the beginning of the previous year, where God was going to require a greater degree of uh, involvement and activation from ourselves for his plans to be outworked. I quoted Mark Twain last week by saying the two most important days in your life are the day that you're born and the day you find out why. That should come up, Mark Twain. Okay, no, okay, they're working furiously. Can we just give it up for our tech guys? They are at the cutting edge every Sunday. Josh, it's all good, mate. We love you. There it is, look at that. He just went like this, in Jesus' name. (laughs) You know what? The Word of God, we know by the Word of God that every single one of us, regardless of whether you are a believer or not, the Word of God is truth. And the Word of God says that every single one of us have a purpose. Every single one of us have a calling on our lives. And so I'd like to suggest this morning that the best way to live a fulfilled life is to find that purpose and walk in it. This series, um, I named it Base Camp because I built it around the fact that life is a journey, and more often than not, that journey is a climb. And so like last week, uh, we used Mount Everest as a reference point and I explained that there are actually six base camps on Mount Everest. And every one of all the people who attempt to go to base camp one in preparation to summit Everest, only 65% of people ever make it to base camp one. The other thing that I declared and stated about that, and it's factual from mountain climbing journals, that base camp one on Everest is as far as you can go only using your legs. From there on, you need a greater degree of equipment, a greater degree of training and other stuff. I gave five foundational scriptures um, for this series. Acts chapter one, verse eight, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. John chapter 13, verse 35, and this is how everyone will recognize you are my disciples when they see the love you have for each other. Mark chapter 12, verse 30 and 31. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind and all your strength. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. Romans chapter 12, verses 4 and 5 and then 9 and 10. Just as our bodies have many parts, each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection. And take delight in honoring each other. And then the last of our reference scriptures was Zechariah 4, verses 6 and 7. So he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. What are you, mighty mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you will become a level ground. Then he will bring out the capstone to shouts of, God bless it, God bless it. Or in another translation, it says with shouts of grace, grace, grace. So last week, we looked at the personal climbing gear that we would need if we were climbing solo. And you can climb solo to base camp one. This week, we're going to be looking at working together as one body. We're going to be looking at team. Why do we need to look at team? Because... We have been commanded, as I read in those scriptures, we've been commanded. It's not, a, it's not the great suggestion, as some would treat it, but it is a command from God himself that we are to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. Remembering that God prophesied that when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, that we would be his witnesses from Jerusalem through Judea, Samaria, and to the outermost outposts of the world. And then according again to Scripture, this is, going to be about, this is going to happen when the Holy Spirit comes upon us because we are only able when we are enabled by the Holy Spirit. So today for part two of this series, we are going to Base Camp 2, and this is all about teams. So before we go anywhere else, I think we'd just be good to pray. Spirit of the living God, we come before you and we ask that you would outwork everything that is within you. You are the Spirit of revelation and truth. And I ask that right over this place, from left to right and front to back, those on site and those online, Lord God, would be caught by the truth of your word this morning. That you would confirm your word with signs and wonders. And every sign pointing to your goodness, your greatness, your mercy, and every wonder causing us just to love on you more. Father, give me the strength and voice to deliver But even more than that, Holy Spirit, you come and plant your word in our heart. In Jesus' name, amen. So just before we get into the fresh stuff for today, can anyone remember what the three pieces of climbing equipment we needed for climbing solo that I taught last week? Yeah, so God's word, our word, and prayer. We need to have God's word planted firmly within our heart so God's word shapes our words. And then when we pray, we can pray in accordance with the word because those three things combined help us to walk further and climb higher than we could without them. We can climb to base camp one, like I said, on our own. But to go any further, we need to be a part of a team. So here's the fourth piece of climbing equipment that we need. We need a support system. Zechariah 4 verse 6 says this, it's not by might or power, but by my spirit. So the first part of our support system must be the Holy Spirit of God. I was actually discussing this with a really, really good friend of mine um, earlier this week. And uh, he, he, he was saying, oh my goodness, I was reading about the Holy Spirit and, and he had this crazy revelation that uh, he shared with me, and I asked his permission if I could use it in my notes this morning, because as soon as he said it, what, my immediate response was, that'll preach. <laughs> and then I thought, I'd like to preach that. So I asked him, he said, yeah, absolutely. And and uh, so Sam, if you're joining us from Australia online, God bless you. Just, um, just actually a pause right now. Um, uh, Sam and Rebecca, we just love you guys. Um, Sam's nana passed away recently after a long battle with illness, and so... The Kenny family all gathered yesterday in Sydney and farewelled her there. Nick and Allie, uh, Nick and Allie, died. you guys, Nick, God bless you. Um, again, almost an identical story, but it was with um, uh, Allie's uh, granddad who just recently passed. So how about we just, before we go anywhere else, can we just cover them and lift them in prayer? Father, we lift the Kenny family and the, the Dite and Harrison family right now in the mighty name of Jesus. We declare your goodness, your grace. Lord, we declare your closeness. Lord, your word says you'll never leave us, you'll never forsake us. So Lord, we lift Nick and Ellie and the wider family as uh, they've gathered, some coming from overseas to New Zealand, just to farewell, um, Granddad Tom. And I pray, Lord God, that you would be so incredibly and amazingly present as that family gather. Lord, we thank you that you were with Paul and Julie uh, and um, Sam and the family in Sydney yesterday. Lord, there's now a huge hole of a loved, very loved person in that family. So we pray, Lord God, that you would strengthen them, surround them about, Lord God. Lord, I've just said that we need Holy Spirit, you and our support team. Would you be their support team in these days ahead in Jesus' name? Amen. Amen. Anyway, so let me read to you um, the piece of scripture that Sam and I were discussing. Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47 says this, Every believer was faithfully devoted to following the teachings of the apostles. Their hearts were mutually linked to one another, sharing communion and coming together regularly for prayer. And deep sense, a deep sense of holy awe swept over everyone, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. All of the believers were in fellowship as one body, and they shared with one another whatever they had. Out of generosity, They even sold their assets to distribute the proceeds to those who were in need among them. Daily, they met together in the temple courts and in one another's homes to celebrate communion. They shared meals together with joyful hearts and tender humility. They were continually filled with with praises to God, enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord kept adding to their number daily those who were coming to life or those who were being saved. And as Sam and I were discussing this, getting really excited. He was like, you know what blew my mind? And I said, what's that? And he goes, the scriptures said that when the Holy Spirit comes upon you with power, you'll be my witnesses in your Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and Allah. like these. And he goes, you think, these guys are suddenly empowered by the Holy Spirit. So they go, woohoo! we're on fire for the Messiah. We're on our way. And off they go. But they didn't do that. They didn't do that. Instead of scattering, they came closer. They all went to the temple daily. They all met in each other's homes. What they built was their support team. They were filled with the Holy Spirit in accordance with the prophetic word of God, but they didn't scatter at that point. They came closer. They got into each other's homes. They built a cohesive climbing team. They established Base Camp 2. I was like, oh my goodness. How many times do we, right now, when we go, oh, you know, I've I've, I've got something, and and suddenly we're here off like a startled rabbit, and we' going to share it with the world and, and all this sort of stuff. And <laughs> that's, there's a whole nother message in that went versus sent. But these guys didn't, and I think this is an incredible model for us to grab hold of. God created our physical bodies with internal support systems that support within ourselves. You know, it's exactly the same in our faith. Sometimes when others disappoint us, I, when, I put in my notes I've got when, in inverted commas, it's not if, <laughs> it's when. Others disappoint us, we say, from now on it's just gotten me. But that's a mistake. That's a mistake. I oh, Look, honestly, Suzanne and I have been pastoring for quite a number of years now. The number of times we hear people go, oh, the... Church offended me and they leave and they just, they're off and they're, they're kind of doing their own thing. And they say this, oh, you don't need to be in church to be a Christian. You're actually quite right. Yes, you're quite right. You don't have to be in church to be a Christian. But you know what? You need to be in church if you don't want to get eaten by the wolf. Because it's the sheep that strays from the pen that gets eaten by the wolf. Satan's number one thing is to try and isolate us. Because if he can isolate us, he can destroy us. And so just from from dad of the house, (laughs) pastor's heart, please, please make Base Camp 2, make community a priority. Because it's here, as I'll explain, that we can grow strong together. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verse 12 is often used in weddings, and it says this, A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple-braided cord is not easily broken. Who's the third cord? It's the Holy Spirit. It's not my might or power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. Support is not one way or the other. It's a a two-way street. Let's not get engrossed in our own problems and then forget that others have problems too. Take time to inquire of each other. Take time to show genuine concern for each other. It's in the give and take of mutual support that we grow and we fulfill God's given, God-given potential that's in our lives for each other. You know what? We're part of a body, and God commands us to love our neighbor. Have you thought about that? Have you thought about that when you get, when, when you get selective, when you come to church? I was sitting next to that one. I ain't sitting next to that one. I just, I, I'm, it's, I just love this person, but that one, they're an EGR, man. They're an extra grace required, and I don't know if I can deal with them. Have you actually wondered if that attitude, you're actually breaking a command of God? Sobering thought, eh? We read, so so how do we do this? We read in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, the the list, the nine fruit of the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Two of those nine fruit I want to just zero in on quickly this morning. Kindness and goodness. Kindness is a gracious, persistent spirit of gentleness and servanthood enabled by the Holy Spirit. Kindness is motivated by a sincere love for others. And goodness is the active expression of that kindness. Goodness is the deed that kindness produces in our heart by the Holy Spirit. Kindness is the attitude, goodness is the act. It is active love that motivates us to serve others. So, just a little bit of a system check if you're not feeling very kind, one day, come on, let's be real. Some days are tougher than others. If you're not feeling very kind or if you're not feeling very gentle, then the first point of call is the first person in your climbing squad, the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I need your help this morning. I'm not feeling very kind. <laughs> and look, let, let's be really real. You read the book of Psalms, man. There were so many times in the book of Psalms when David was anything but kind. I read one the other day. It was so, I was like, I... My my video screens in my head just... And I had I was sitting, reading, and I was laughing. I don't know, probably shouldn't have, but I was laughing because David's prayer was basically, God, would you tap them upside of the head and hit them so hard that it shatters their teeth? <laughs> I was like, go David. <laughs> he wasn't feeling very kind that day. Or gentle. <laughs> but... Almost invariably, every psalm that he finishes with, but God, you are my strength. God, you are my joy. You are my fortress. God knows very well our limitations, and he sent his spirit to dwell in us, to help us in our weaknesses. And one of his plans to help us is to plant us in community. So I want to ask you this morning, who's your climbing squad? Who are you climbing with today? In this community, in this church, and not just this church, it's not mutually exclusive to Elon Blenheim, but our climbing squads in this church, we call them connect groups. They're our weekly small groups that meet where community can be grown with each other's help, where we can pray for each other and support each other. And, and so last Sunday and this Sunday, we call them sign-up Sunday. So after church, we um, have a table with all the different connect groups that we have, uh, operating, And um, so are you going to be out there, honey, at the end? So Sue, Sue, who is uh, the key leader overseeing our Connect group, she'll be out there to help you and explain anything about that. You know, this year we reset and, uh, um, and relaunched our whole youth program with, into, into, with, a, with a small group format. And some of the testimonies that we're hearing from our teenagers who are just loving being able to get together with similar age, we got guys' groups and girls' groups, and just being able to share with each other and pray with each other, that's life, that's community. That's a climbing squad. And so grace abounds where we, when we live in biblical community. So if you're not part of a connect group, then uh, I would really encourage you to go out and talk to Suze afterwards and sign up for one. And if you, do, if you are part of a connect group and lots of new people come and you've been in that connect group for, for, a, wee, for a wee while, Can I ask you just to really seriously think about multiplying that group and being bold enough to host one in your own home or to lead one? Someone else can host it. Someone else can lead it. But when you think about the cells within our body, they replicate and they grow and they multiply. And that's what we want to see in the house. We want to see everybody connected in a climbing squad, connected in a connect group. That's why we call them connect groups. You know, at times rough weather will tear at the side of your mountain. And it's in those difficult times when you are roped together, you are supported, you're encouraged, you're prayed for, you're cheered on, you're loved and you're understood, and in those climbing squads we can rely on the Holy Spirit and each other. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm part of a weekly group where pastors meet, and it's a really it's it's I'll tell you what, that's one of my climbing squads. Because in that group, every, every person around that table, when we talk about different things, if one of us ends up in tears and snot on the floor, they all look at us and go, "You know what? We understand. We get that." And so they band together and we, we band together, we pray for each other, we lift each other, we support. That's what a climbing squad's about. We're roped together so we can get up the hill. So I want to give you some key elements for strength in your climbing squad from Base camp 2. Here we go, number one, authentic repentance and baptism. Like I said, many can climb to base camp one on their own. And more often than not, people do climb on Everest. They only go as far as base camp one. They don't carry on up, to, up through the six base camps, and they very rarely summit. Some come, some visit, some even camp, but they actually don't go any further. You know, on the day of Pentecost, when Peter got up and preached under the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit... What he was sharing grabbed the hearts of his, the hearers, the listeners, so significantly. They said, what do we do? What do we do now? How do we go further? How can we climb higher? This was Peter's response in Acts 2.38. Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized. In the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You know What? <clears throat> If you genuinely want to go further, if you want to climb higher in your faith, then it's, just, it's not just about repenting and asking Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior. The next step is to be baptized. And guess what? It's a command again. It's not... You know, people treat the Bible as if it's full of great suggestions. Actually, they're great commands. And so on that, next Sunday, we're going to have a baptism in here during church. We've got a tub. We'll make sure it's warm. I've already got one name down but if you've not been baptised then guess what? You get a chance next week. Could I ask you not to go through all sorts of mental and spiritual gymnastics? Just go, actually Jesus commanded it? I better do it. It's that simple. But it's that powerful. Public confession. The scriptures say in Romans chapter 6, verse 4, for we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. There is a significant power of being immersed. Here at Elam, we believe baptism is by full immersion. And so um, I'm not, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? People go, how young can someone get baptized? Well, if there is a young person, if there is a child who wants to get baptized, I actually interview them. I actually sit down and ask them, do you know what you're doing and do you understand what you're doing? Because it's an age of understanding. And uh, I think the youngest person I have baptized was eight years old. I sat with them and I said, do you know what baptism's all about? And like, I was blown away. I thought, I want to get you preaching. Man, this kid, this kid knew what it was about. They knew Jesus as their Lord and Savior. They knew that being baptized was an outward expression of being buried with, with Jesus and being risen, raised with Jesus, buried in the old, raised with the new, a public confession of their faith. And I was like, come on, I want to take notes. Keep going. So, uh, you know, it, as long as they understand, so if you've got children that want mums and dads, then the first point of discipleship in your home is you. So sit down and have the conversation with your kids. Um, so we, yeah, we're going to have baptisms next Sunday. I'm excited about that. That's powerful stuff. So authentic repentance and baptism. The second element that we need within our climbing squads is authentic gratitude. Living in this generation where self-madeness, which is driven by self-mindfulness, has taken center stage. Authentic gratitude opens and establishes authentic community. Why should we give thanks? Why should we have this deep level of authentic gratitude in our lives? Because giving thanks promotes a lifestyle of humility and reinforces our trust in God. It reinforces our trust in His power. And guess what? It reinforces trust in each other. There's actually, believe it or not, there's medical documentation of how people's entire internal physiological system is stronger and healthier when someone lives with an attitude of gratitude. In contrast, a heart that is, avoid, that is void of gratitude feasts with bitterness and self-obsession, and it is often manifested by the tongue that com- continually complains. If you want to build the toxicity in your life, then don't be thankful. If you want to do a detox on your life, then every morning, I want to give you a piece of homework this morning. Every morning, let your first words be words of gratitude. If you want to build a detox system in your life, if you want to start your day on the right foot, even before you get your coffee, <laughs> just express thanks. Yeah, you know, It doesn't need to be rocket science. God, thank you that I woke up this morning with a roof over my head. God, thank you that I'm in a home. Thank you that I woke up this morning and I get to go to work. <laughs> or maybe thank you, God, that I woke up this morning. <laughs> That's a good start. Every day you start breathing is a good start. Here are some reasons why authentic gratitude could empower your climb. Gratitude brings demonstration. When we keep giving thanks for what we cannot see, faith is activated. Faith is empowered. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 says this, now faith is the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see. Hebrews 11:6 says this, without faith it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. You know one of the greatest Recorded demonstrations of authentic gratitude, bringing a demonstration on the power of God, was when Jesus stood outside Lazarus' tomb. You know, when he stood there, he didn't pray summoning thunder and lightning and the cohorts and the bands of angels and everything. You know what he did? He simply started by giving thanks. And that prayer of authentic gratitude was the roar that manifested the rumble of life in Lazarus' grave. He started with thanks. So gratitude, authentic gratitude brings about a demonstration. Authentic gratitude is a booster. If you can, it, you know, life can sometimes get overwhelming. Let's be real, it can. But a prayer of thanksgiving can lift us. It can lift us into a higher, into a higher place of being, a higher strength, a higher endurance, Even Jesus, in the middle of his agony, knowing he was about to be tortured and killed, gave thanks. And he knew that the power that emanated from authentic gratitude would carry him through by the Holy Spirit. So gratitude demonstrates, gratitude boosts. Gratitude has the power to release multiplication. A prayer of thanksgiving. Genuine gratitude is a great multiplier. For a start, when you are genuinely thankful, you begin to see other areas that you can be thankful for. It multiplies your scope of thankfulness. When Jesus stood before the thousands of people knowing that they were all hungry and there was no food and all he had was one little boy's lunch, did he call down thunder and lightning or did he dial up um, you know, Uber Eats from heaven? No, he didn't. What did he do? He simply started with a genuine prayer of thanks before the Lord and suddenly there was an abundance. God honors genuine gratitude, authentic gratitude. So here's here's the next key element we need in our climbing squad for biblical community. Authentic honesty. (laughs) This one is not always the nice one. See, a community centered around Jesus, which is the church, or it should be, (laughs) is intended to be authentic. But with the authentic honesty comes the honesty that's easy and the honesty that's hard. See, Proverbs 27 verse 17 says this, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. What happens when we have iron and iron? Clanging together, sparks fly. <laughs> Anybody been told you're a diamond in the rough? <laughs> you know what makes a diamond shiny? More rough. Put against a grinder wheel, pull against a polishing wheel. The Bible tells us that as believers, we're called to sharpen one another. Do you know what happens? It sparks will fly. But you know what? It's how we handle the sparks. It determines whether we leave a pile of ash or we leave refined gold. Now, this doesn't mean that you can walk up to someone and because they are a Christian brother or sister, you can lay down the law and put a lash across their back. No, no. The Apostle Paul says that we do this with gentleness. We do this with grace. We do this with genuine love. Genuine love doesn't give you, authentic honesty doesn't give you a license to tear someone apart. Authentic honesty by the Holy Spirit gives us the responsibility of loving someone back to wholeness. I've got a very, very, very good friend who, um, in actual fact, he's the friend who gave me the nickname Goose. Um, For those of you who don't know, very quickly, I served in the Air Force. I love Top Gun. I played the piano, and Goose played the piano. Great balls of fire. So that's how I got my nickname. But um, when there's, he's my wingman. We're each other's wingman. And, and uh, I, I rang him. This is some years ago. And, I, and I, his nickname, Spoiler. And I said, Spoiler, need some, I need, need my wingman. He goes, right our Goose. He said, I'm going to call you. You, know, you don't know when I'm going to call you. He says, I'm going to ask you two questions. And these are the questions. Is this happening in your life right now? And are you lying to me? Oh. Oh. Man. They were humbling phone calls They were humbling phone calls There are days where we will speak truth to a friend And then there are days when we will be on the receiving end of that truth And that's how God designed relationships to be God calls us to be humble Ourselves He calls us to live authentically and honestly in community And ultimately, that will help each other in the journey towards Jesus. A true friend will be willing to tell you the things that you don't want to hear. We we can't do life alone. Even when it hurts true community, biblical, authentic community leads to life, not to death. We all have the same goal, to bring God glory with our lives. So let's do it together. Here's the fourth thing. Authentic unity and care. Let's bring this back to our climbing squad now. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 26. That's what the Apostle Paul says. Well, my brothers and sisters, let's summarize. When you meet together, one will sing, another will teach, another will tell something, some special revelation God has given. One will speak in tongues and another will interpret what is said. But everything that is done must strengthen all of you. What's really interesting was when the Apostle Paul wrote this To the church in Corinth, it was quite a young church. And currently at that time, that young church was flying apart at the seams. The church was being torn apart by immorality. Sexual immorality. It was being torn apart by division. It was being torn apart by contentious leaders who were only in it for their own self-worth And they were trying to bring all sorts of doctrines and teachings that were contrary to what the Apostle Paul had established in their church by Jesus Christ. And it was tearing the church apart. Not surprisingly, the church was ineffective in its ministry. The church was unable to be the witnesses for God in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. Because it wasn't biblical community. But Paul's call to the church was clear. Everything must be done so that the church may be built up. Like the Corinthians, we also become ineffective when we use our own gifts to amplify ourselves and lift ourselves instead of amplifying and lifting the name of Jesus. It's God's vehicle for his mission. We should strive for authentic unity, authentic loving care in Christ. See, here's the thing. This mission of being in a climbing squad is not to see an individual summit the mountain. It's to see the whole team get there. The whole team get there. Last week, I zeroed in on being personally prepared for the climb. Today, we put the focus on climbing together. Right from the very beginning of when Suzanne and I started leading this church, we felt very strongly that the best and the biblically correct um, direction and shape of pastoral care Was when pastoral care was done by the body, as opposed to a flawed and limited individual. (laughs) The pastor. (laughs) So, right from the very beginning, see, that's a very old mindset. It's a very, very old traditional mindset. You know, the, the, the vicar has a single speed push bike that's rusty and creaks, or a horse. He's addicted to cups of cold tea and cucumber sandwiches. He goes to everybody's home three times a day, every day, all year, to meet everybody's needs. He lasts five weeks and dies. (laughs) But correct biblical pastoral care is body caring for body. So right from the very beginning, the direction that we set for pastoral care was a two-question process. The first question, if a pastoral care situation arose, the very first question that asked is, Is this person in a climbing squad? Is this person part of a connect group? And if the answer is yes, then the uh, connect group, the leader of that connect group generally gets run. Now, let me just note here, this does not then suddenly place all pastoral care responsibility on the connect group leader. No, no. What it does is it puts the genuine community, the authentic love, the authentic honesty on the team. See, if we go back, can we go back to one of, the, one of the slides where the guys are climbing up the snow, please, Josh? Yeah, see that? You see the three guys? They're all actually roped together because if one slips, the other two dig in and that stops the third person, literally stops the third person falling off the mountain. Thanks, Josh. You can afford it again. This is, this is, uh, hey, guys, we need, to, we need to circle the wagons. We need to make sure our ropes are tight. We need to make sure that we're linked because one of us. The scripture is really clear. It says if one of us hurts, we all feel the pain. And if one of us celebrates, we can enjoy that celebration together. So we need to be roped together. So the first question is, are they in a connect group? And the, the, the answer is yes, then that's activated. If it's not, then, then there's other avenues that we can activate people. We can create a support crew around that individual. Can you picture that happening? Can you? I mean, everybody, look, billions of dollars, billions of dollars are spent and made every year on caring for the body. Could you imagine what the church would look like if the same amount of emphasis was activated within the house of God? Caring for each other, being part of a climbing squad, being roped together, So that no one falls off the mountain. So that everyone gets to the summit. Regardless of what the weather is. I just, I I sit and I think about that. And you know what the result of that is? What the word of God says. And they shall know that you are my disciples. Because of the love that you have for each other. And then the next result is. And God added to them daily. Added to them daily. Worship team, would you come, please? So what do we need to climb? What do we need to climb? Personally, we need God's word. We need our word to align with God's word. And we need our prayers to be enabled by God's word within our lives. Collectively, as a climbing squad or in a connect group, we need authentic repentance and baptism. And that itself is a journey. But like I said, we're going to have a baptism here next week. And if it's just for one, then so be it. But I'd like to baptize a whole group. We need authentic gratitude and we need authentic honesty amongst each other. We need authentic unity and care. So family, whanau, can we climb together? Can we do this together? Because God's got a real purpose for us individually and collectively.